Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. All right, everybody, this is the Pinelander Podcast. I'm Paul LeFevre. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is Friday, March 18, 2022. Beautiful day. It is an awesome day. Uh, I think a little bit of pollen in the air, so I think I've got a little extra raspiness going on. So just letting you, everybody know that. Yeah, I mean, my, my eyes are, you know, freaking swollen and... You know, everything else. I mean, the pollen's just horrible in, in pine land this time of year, but we, yeah. we kind of we deal with it. That's true. When we walk back to the G-Base, uh, you know, we have to hit those uh, bushes and uh, kind of shakes some of the, the uh, pollen loose. So that probably what's what happened. Hey, so to today, uh, I just said today twice. Uh, maybe that's the pollen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, today we're looking at the topic of tactical leadership, and uh, what Mike and I feel has, has been a secret of success for guys in the Special Forces Qualification Course. So that's, that's kind of important stuff. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why you and I uh, got together anyway in the first place um, and started Blacksmith Publishing was for this very, very topic. Um, I guess we recognized... Um, a need out there or a niche. Um, yeah. And we were, we're, we're doing our best to try to fill it. But, you know, we've talked about a lot of books, Paul. I mean, we've, we've you know, and we were sitting around going, man, we kind of we've neglected one of our, you know, most important books, which is Tactical Leadership. So yeah. I think it's important that we, you know, address that with the audience. Absolutely. Uh, and so what I wanted to start off by talking about is, you know, why I wanted to write this. Uh, and this really came out of a need, as you said, Mike. And uh, the need, I thought, was I read a lot of books on leadership and I read a lot of books on tactics, but I just didn't have uh, like a go-to volume that kind of brings it all together. And I thought, gosh, it would be good to have one of those. And I really wanted to start with the Army's definition of leadership and then just kind of flesh it out and look at all of the awesome things in history, our history, Roman history, like ancient and modern, and just find guys who are awesome and uh, how they just took leadership and like, hey, that's leadership right there and just kind of define it. And so guys can see it and flesh it out and try to emulate that, kind of give them a how-to, if you will, for leadership. Yeah, for those that are not familiar with the book, um, We've all looked at leadership manuals, you know, books on leadership. Um, I mean, we talk about leadership all the time in the military and, and, and of course, corporate America and what have you. But um, I think what's neat about tactical leadership is kind of the way that you talk about the topic. Um, and it's, it's more than just, you know, leadership is blah, 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 blah. You know, you have, you, you, you provide the vignettes, you know, the examples. And for a guy like me anyway, I, I prefer a story. Uh, I like a real-life story. 
And because you know you can really grab a lot of the, the the stuff that you may just you may just pass over and not notice. But when you're actually you know uh, reading about a story, a real life event, uh, something that actually took place, uh, these traits and attributes—I mean—they really come out. They're really you know come out and grab you. You know, you're like, oh, that that was <laughs> that didn't work out well, or man, that was genius. So I like one of the things I like about the book is the fact that it's just a series of vignettes on people that did things right and, of course, people that did things wrong. Absolutely. Uh, that Just that idea right there is uh, really what makes a book good, is having great examples, having good stories. And I, I selected those for a reason, and that was this. Uh, one of the emphasis in the book is to gain what I call tactical experience. It's like you were there yourself. And the idea is, once you, re- re- you read the, uh, the vignette, you understand it, uh, and you understand how the person achieves success when you're faced with a similar type of ex- uh, experience, then likewise you can do the same. And having gained theoretical experience, that's, the idea is really from the cover. So if you were to look at the cover, you know, you got a shooter there. Uh, and he's surrounded by some greats, you know, uh, T.E. Lawrence, MacArthur, uh, Robert Howard, uh, Grant, to name a few. And so when this guy, this shooter, right, is, is faced with a situation that is similar to the one that was faced by these other warriors, these other uh, tacticians, then he's able to kind of size up the situation and say, well, uh, maybe X, Y, Z may work for this situation. And uh, that was one way that I looked at, you know, taking leadership, taking all the examples. And uh, so you could actually take and make history useful to you, make it work for you. Uh, and that's really the idea. The most instructive way of learning is to recall the catastrophes of others, uh, to to be the wise man and learn from the experience of fools uh, and then to gain these gems of leadership, kind of put them in your bag. Yeah. I mean, uh, the nice thing about tactical leadership too is, um, you know, not all of us are going to be called upon uh, to be the Napoleon of our time. Um, and what's, what's great about, this book also is it really just touches each individual too. Like if you're a warrior period, you're going to learn something from this book. You might not be in charge of anybody but yourself and your ability uh, to negotiate personalities, your team and, uh, and others that you may uh, want to have some sort of influence over. So yeah, you, you know, it might not be that you're asked to win a battle, Okay, if you're given an entire army or something to, to you know to go after it, uh, the book has something for just the individual uh, negotiating uh, the things that he's responsible for and to make him a better warrior. Absolutely, uh, that's that's what why I really have guys like John Bazalone, who is a Marine, uh, one heck of a mile American. Uh, the guy had a, a machine gun, uh, I think squad. So just just like that, squad level. And that's the idea of tactics. You know, tactics, we're talking uh, fire team all the way up to, like, battalions and brigades. You know, that, that type of idea. So, yeah, if you're, you're just a shooter, you know, this is, uh, is going to be applicable to you. You can take those lessons learned 
and apply it to your life, apply it to your job, make your unit more lethal and more prepared for all of uh, our challenges we're facing today, which you know, happen to be a lot. Well, you, you've come up with a um, kind of a neat little, um, you know, way to remember these things and things that are important. Um, you've always used the, uh, you know, the three-legged stool sort of, you know, analogy. or And I've, I've always been able to remember, you know, uh, that by using that. But uh, why don't you talk about your stool and, uh, you know, kind of the attributes um, and the things that uh, we run into with some of these guys having some difficulty um, making it through various different courses and what have you, especially the Q course in particular. Yeah. Hey, so uh, this – I produced this out of my experience uh, being out at the Q course since uh, 2010, working out there. And um, I also remembered all of the um, leadership professional development uh, spiels that I sat through from like sergeant majors, colonels, whatever. And I just kind of took the, the sum total of that and found that they were really saying three things. They were saying that, uh, an SF guy in particular, right? Because we're, you know, we can just zero in and talk about that for a second. But not just an SF guy, but, you know, a warrior, a leader who is successful really does three things. Uh, he is smart, he's strong, and he's socially astute. And that's, that essentially uh, is the three legged stool. You have to have those three legs. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here to say from my experience. Um, generally speaking, the candidates and students that I've seen go through the Q course, okay, or selection of the Q course, generally don't have a problem with the strength. Right. They've done a pretty good job of preparing themselves for, you know, the physical demands of the course. Um, That's true. The, the part that I would say that they probably most struggle with is the social astuteness if if they don't make it? Yeah, no, absolutely, I would agree to that. And uh, yeah, so maybe I can define that a little bit more. Is the social astuteness? I mean, astute just a uh, you know it's a five dollar word. Uh, basically, I needed three S's. Okay, I, I wanted an alliteration of three S's, and that's why I did that. It's like reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right? Nice one, uh, but. <clears throat> The uh, social astute just really means you're socially switched on. You're, you have interpersonal skills. Uh, you're able to talk to people, to communicate to them effectively. You're able to kind of get along in a team environment. And uh, you're not like socially awkward or socially tone deaf and stuff like that. Uh, that's, that's really what I meant by that. And you're absolutely right. Guys can be... Uh, you know, they could jack the steel, they could ruck the rucks and run and all that stuff. And, and usually we don't have a problem with a guy being physically prepared. That's, that's usually like a given. But uh, more than um, anything else, I think, I would say 70%, something like that. 60, 70% of the guys that have trouble in the Q course are from uh, social issues. Yeah, and all these guys are ex- extremely smart. Yeah. They're in excellent shape. But for whatever reasons, they just had a hard time sort of connecting with their team Absolutely. and kind of realizing what's, you know, the, the environment and how to operate, you know, successfully within it. Absolutely. 
And uh, it's just, it, uh, there's a few different ways you could talk about it. We do talk about it. We address this in the book. And uh, just like a couple ways I can just spitball. Big thing that I, I like to share is if a guy is, um, one thing is if he's introverted a little too much, he may have a tendency of not talking as much. And that gives the sense that he's not really a, a, a social butterfly and he's not a team player. Something like that. And the other one is, if the guy does too much stuff in his head, then um, he's a little more, he's a little too analytical, less intuitive. Then he has also uh, less chance of just interacting with folks because he kind of knows what needs to be done, and he doesn't, you know, need to check in with others. And then there's the stigma that is created that hey, this guy, he's kind of lacking socially. He's a little too quiet. And then the, the team starts to assess this guy a certain way. And then lo and behold, on the first peers, you know, the guy's kind of a, he's a lower ranking guy, you know, uh, you know, maybe a 15 out of 15, 16 out of 16, where it's really, it's just a perception. Yeah. The nature of the course is these are not guys that you grew up with um, and went to school with your whole life. Yeah. I mean, you're getting a, a you know, a really short period of time you know, to kind of make an impact and people are going to assess you quickly. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of uh, really the essence of what I wanted to talk about in the book on the social dynamics is uh, really, there's, there's a few things that kind of make this up. Uh, the big thing is that just communication, basic communication, and just to throw out some statistics here, uh, they say uh, 55% of all communication is body language. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is also used in, you know, negotiations, key leader engagements and other stuff like that. It's important to know. And only about 7% is words. And then like 38% is uh, tone and uh, how you're, how you're saying what you're saying. And that's, that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and so I it's mean, not, the, the yeah. vast majority of language has got nothing to do with words. Right. I mean, it's how you handle yourself. I mean, this is another part of the social skill is some guys, uh, it's not just the words they're saying and how they're saying them, but their body language, their tone, and their posture, and, and how you handle yourself is also really important, too, in, a, in a, uh, a setting, especially in a school. So all those things have to be taken into consideration. You have to think yeah, that through. Yeah, I'm familiar with, like, uh, you know, like nonverbal language. You know, it, that's a whole... Yeah, I didn't know that, but I guess it's a whole study and a whole discipline of itself. You know, these people that go to college to to read body language, but yeah. that's a big part of communicating. It is, uh, and then you know, just just the presence, right? Uh, any leader knows that presence is pretty big. It's presence is more than just showing up. Okay, hey, I'm here. No, it's being involved in what's going on. And so the guy that's quiet and is doing a lot of things in his mind, he's kind of sticking to his task. And he may be less apt to kind of go around and go, hey, how are you doing over here? What's, you need some help? And kind of vocalizing that. And that, believe it or not, there's a, there's a few simple ways where you can, that I've seen, uh, and I've got about uh, 10 years of empirical data in my brain anyway, that shows just a few simple ways can turn that 15, 16 out of 16 guy into at least middle of the pack. Just by doing which is a, a nice, Which is a nice, comfortable place to be. Yeah. I mean, and look, and if you're an 18 X-ray, E4, I mean, chances are you're not going to be the top dog. It's okay. 
uh, you're at a deficit where some of these others got the other guys have experience, you know, life experience or you know, military experience. So, but uh, you can make up for that in you know social panache, right? Uh, being a plug and play guy, and and that's really the idea. The skill sets you need is uh is just to be uh socially astute that's why we you know you don't have to be born with these these uh, no. attributes or these uh these these skills um yeah. i mean these are things that, that you know a lot of us have to work on but the first thing i think is recognizing the fact that hey i have to work on this area no Absolutely. no di- no different than uh you know I suck at ruck marching. Okay. Yeah. Well, you put a ruck on your back and you get out there and you freaking, you know, you break your feet in and you, and you get your body used to it. Yeah. Um, it's no different than these social skills. Sometimes you got to kind of work through your own sort of tendency to be inverted and kind of, you know, stay to yourself. I mean, these are things you have to work on just like you, just like you go to the gym and, you know, and try to get your, your body in great shape. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I like that I've, the, the course has done that I like to see is they've uh, implemented stuff like uh, metric devices like the uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator and stuff like that. And so if you haven't done that, uh, you know, you can actually go on this free Myers-Briggs stuff. So there's 16 types in the Myers-Briggs type indicator. That that's, for, that's for personality type. That's for kind of figuring yeah. out, like, you know, how you are. Yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, uh, so I am a uh, ENTJ. Uh, and, and how you break that down is I'm extroverted, intuitive, uh, I, uh, let's see, judging and uh, thinking. So thinking and judging. The idea is, um, and it depends on the day. Someday I could be more of an INTJ and some days an ENTJ. My whole... Uh, well, you have, you have aspects of all of them, don't you? I mean, it's just a matter yeah. of kind of like where you kind of lean. It's kind of like a target. You kind of like... You're like a dot in a target. You kind of roll around a little bit, and right. You just have you have your strong areas where you kind of lean towards. Yeah. So, uh, like, you can go to sixteenpersonalities.com, and then you've got basically all this stuff on there. Uh, I'm an ENTJ. That's uh, basically um, it, that defines that I see the world a certain way, and I in, I interact with people a certain way. And then the idea is you find your type. Kind of understand, okay, what does that mean? What's a strength and a weakness for I mean, that type? You're looking at the website now. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's it's not, I mean, anybody can figure this out. It's kind of a fun website. It's, yeah, it's, you can also take a test. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's I think free. it's just good information to know. Yeah. If, if I was going to the Q course, I think I'd want to just know this. Or yeah. if I was in business, period, um, having to deal with others, I think I'd kind of want to know, um, you know, how I'm wired. Yeah. And recognize that, you know, others aren't wired just like me. And, and and because of that, people are going to be taking me a little different maybe. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, there's other things that we cover in the book in Tactical Leadership, which is kind of in the uh, some of the vignettes. But there's things to avoid in social uh, settings. Uh, there's a way to, uh, you know, there's pitfalls to avoid. There's pitfalls to avoid as a leader, also pitfalls to avoid uh, as just somebody, another guy in a team. We were we were talking to a a, a young man uh, this morning, um, and and you know we do this is court you know of course the purpose of Blacksmith Publishing is to help okay. the next generation of warriors. But um, let's just let's just use him as an example without using sure. any names because I think he, at least in my opinion, I think he's kind of typical of what yeah. you see out there. 
Absolutely. far as the issues that he ran into. Yeah, I mean, uh, this guy, fine guy, uh, typical 18 X-ray, E4 type uh, that we've seen. Intelligent. So many t- yeah, intelligent guy. Uh, Good shape. Yeah, basically the quintessential guy that is the 18 X-ray E4. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, and what was interesting is it was the same notes. It's kind of like I was out in, uh, I took a rucksack flop somewhere on the side of Big Muddy Creek, and I'm telling some guy, you know, this is how you're doing in the course, and we're in tax skills. Because it's the same thing over and over again. You can almost like pre-record it. Absolutely. Here. And just and just play it. Here you yeah. go. Listen to this. Yeah, gather around and listen. Yeah. But uh, that's what um, uh, I thought was so interesting is it's just really that. Just, hey, this guy is physically fit. Yep. This guy is smart. The guy knows his tactics. and uh, He knew his personality types, too, yeah. which was kind of, I thought, I, of course, that goes back to what you were saying, where the Q course now is even, yeah. you know, getting guys to look at that. Yeah, and uh, so he has all the tools. Yep. It's just uh, how you put it into practice. And uh, so that's where we want to help guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so knowing it. And because then, it's just something he needs to work on. I mean, let's just yeah. be honest. I mean, it's. I mean, that's, that's essentially it. We, we cover that in tactical leadership, and that is, look, leadership um, can be taught and learned. Okay, yeah. if, if it couldn't, then we're wasting our time writing a book about it. Okay, that's right. So everything yeah, we're wasting, in life, We're wasting our time yeah. to a bunch of, you know, a bunch of people to leadership courses. I yeah. mean, if it's just something that you're born with, then why waste the time? Yeah, and it really starts really about knowing yourself. Okay, so as a philosophy would tell you, Knowing yourself is the you know the first step, and and to know anything, and uh, know you know know thyself uh, as uh, you know we're taught by Plato, also Hamlet, uh, and so you got to know what your type is, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, uh, how are you perceived, right? Uh, and then you could uh, you can find this out. Obviously, we we mentioned the personality test, but also just kind of uh, asking people candidly. You know, yeah, that, I think that's I think that's, that's true too because I think um, you know a lot of us anyway probably perceive ourselves one way, um, and the world may perceive us slightly different or considerably different. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to understand how we're uh, perceived by others or what your what your real types are, not what you think you are. Yeah, and so funny thing here, this may sound strange, but uh, just to beat up on the guys for a second. Uh, most women, I mean, this is kind of a known thing because psychology is a is a female dominated sport. Okay, yeah. because women, uh, I mean, more. This is a general uh, statement, but they're a little more in tune with who they are, right? And they can share their feelings with uh, other women yeah. uh, more often than not than most any, guys. Any father that has sons and daughters knows this. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, women kind of usually they can they can share basically anything with some other lady. Generally speaking, a guy though uh, they kind of hold their co- cards a little closer, and they're less apt to talk about you know uh, things like that. But I think that's always useful. Uh, it's time well spent. As you say, hey man, I'm getting ready to do this, and I just want hey, just give me a shot across the bow. Mm-hmm. You know what? What do you think about uh, you know? Uh, you know, how, how uh, you've just noticed me. Let's just say you're two, three weeks into the tax skills. You don't need a peer eval 
you can just kind of get with somebody and say, hey, man, you know, a real man can tell another man, hey, man, I'm well, noticing this. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. Personally, I think like this is I'll just throw this out here. Like if I ask my wife to tell me like well, how God, I, no, don't do that. I'm just well, it's going to be honest because she's not worried about hurting my yeah. feelings. I can assure you that. OK, um, but I think you do have to ask that question to someone that you trust that's going to actually be honest with you, because I mean, yeah. some people are kind of hesitant about, you know, hey, how do I look today? Yeah, honey, you look great. I mean, you know, some people like don't want to like tell you the truth because, yeah, you know, it's, it's it can be tough. Um, the other thing too, I think is important is, you know, you can't discount peers. I mean, I think I see a lot of people sort of like blowing them off, like, well, it's just this and it's just that. But the reality is, um, you really need to look at those peers and, and really kind of just do the hard assessment. Yeah. Um, because most of these people aren't lying to you. They are actually not, you know, they're not facing you. You know, there's some anonymity to the peers. Therefore they can be kind of brutally honest on those things. Yeah, and you'll have a couple of guys that are just, they're just butthurt. But, yeah. And they, they want to get back at you. Got it. But uh, generally speaking, guys are truthful. Yeah. And you should take that to heart. And I think uh, that's a great point is if you can't take criticism. Uh, no, you're in the wrong sport. You 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 basically are, yeah. This, have, is a, this is a thick skin game. Yeah. So you, you kind of need to do that. As a leader, too, a, a good leader, you kind of need to know how you're being received. You need to know how your words are taken. You need to have a good sense of how you're coming across. Yeah, and I, you know, I also, I mean, this just kind of popped in, but listen, listen, it's not about just always making everybody happy and always being, you know, being able to throw out the happy talk. I mean, as a leader, you're going to piss some people off, okay, if you are a leader. But, you know, you have to understand, um, you know, but that's okay, you know, but as long as you understand that, that's your intent. Uh, you're not just pissing everybody off because you're a weirdo. Um, you know, you don't want to be pissing people off that you're not trying to piss off. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to share this too, uh, because another aspect I see with, um, you know, like the young man we talked to this morning, very smart. Yeah, intelligent. Right? Uh, very intelligent, uh, knew his stuff, but, you know, and I just, I, I, uh, Asked him, hey, just kind of off the cuff, you know, would you say that you're a little too analytical, right? And the guy said, yes. So uh, something I share with him that I think maybe if this fits with you, it could work is uh, guys that we see that, um, you know, have analytical versus intuitive decision-making kind of fall into this pitfall of taking too long and waiting for the perfect situation to you know, come about and then actually finally make a decision or they take too long to make a decision. And just instead of, instead of like a, what we call a 70% solution, they look at it and they say, yeah, that'll work. And they drop the hammer instead of waiting for the situation to be perfect. And then they've missed their window, right? It's kind of like, you know, patents make a, make a, you know, uh, uh, instead of a perfect plan next week, you make a, you know, a plan now and execute it aggressively, something to that nature. And that's the idea. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good example. Yeah. And, and the, the guy that is a little too much in his head, it kind of goes with this too. Uh, it's, this is the quintessential 18 X-ray E4 that's smart. And he's not the social butterfly. I'm just using that as a term. He also is analytical. And, and so he, he has a tendency of waiting to make decisions 
and and, and kind of that example I gave. Well, maybe a maybe a fear of uh, not doing it right. Yes, um, that's spot as, on. And sometimes you know, there's there's not really a right. It's just the best. Yeah, it's the best decision for right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and that's really it. Uh, that I would say, if you traject that all the way into like Robin Sage, that is. Uh, the type of decision making you want to make, you know, seventy percent solution. Yeah, I think uh, you know, and I I think that's really smart for for folks for a couple reasons. Um, also, physically, I mean, we've all seen those dudes that's like ah, you know, and and they take off on the run or they take off with the ruck or whatever, and you know, hundred percent, they're just ah, you know, and it's like you know, and they crash, burn, uh, injure themselves. Um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I think guys that kind of understand how to sort of, uh, leave some in reserve, if you will, uh, kind of just give out, uh, the right amount of energy, uh, throughout this thing. Yeah. Uh, if you need to go a hundred, you know, for a short period of time, you can, because you yeah. save some. Um, but I think if you kind of go through the Q course, uh, with that sort of, uh, I hate to say it, but physical maturity, mental maturity, where you're kind of just kind of holding back a bit and just kind of giving what it needs, you know? Yeah. Um, I think do better. What, what do you think, Paul? Absolutely. You have um, – you, at sometimes, uh, you know, t- sometimes it's time to go balls out. It is, yeah. And other times, uh, look, like you said, this is a marathon. Uh, and, look, every day is uh, basically can be a selection event. You know, you have to earn your tab every day. And so you have to – uh, kind of know how to conserve your energy, conserve your mental energy, emotional energy. And if you're just going out all the time, you know, you're going to be a sidelined. You're going to be a pretty casualty quick. pretty quick, uh, especially in something like Robin Sage. Uh, there's a lot of variables. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And uh, so uh, one of my fallback principles for that is uh, – I like to use this. It comes from the meditations from Marcus Aurelius, but it's focus on what you can control. You know, uh, you focus on what you control. And I think that uh, has a lot of application for a a lot of areas of life. Uh, You stay in your lane and then you kind of look, you're looking further afield, but uh, if you can't control, you know, X, Y, Z that's happening, it's pissing you off. Then, why, why, why waste why put, the mental energy? Exactly. Why yeah. put a lot of energy into it? Yeah. You're, you're just going to spend, you're going to waste yourself. You're going to get pissed. And then you're going to make an emotional decision. And you're going to, and those are never good. Yeah. But uh, the other aspect of this I wanted to share is. At the top of that uh, stool. Yeah, the top of the stool. So imagine a, in your mind's eye, a three-legged stool. It would be uh, strong, smart, socially astute. Uh, and we can talk about some of those other two legs too, but but the uh, the seat is your attributes, uh, and obviously if you don't have a seat, then these legs are going up your butt, uh, and not a good you, know, you have nothing to sit on. <laughs> That's right. right. Uh, but uh, attributes is, are something. I mean, you got to show up with these. Uh, we do run to some guys from time to time, and they I would my. Uh, the way I talk about it is they weren't raised right, you know? Yeah, I mean, selection is selection for a reason. Um, you know, you kind of have to come with some of this material. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're not going to teach it to you. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and you, if you guys haven't heard them, we have the uh, eight soft attributes, uh, professionalism, responsibility, adaptability, capability, team player, integrity, courage, and uh, endurance. I call it endurance. It's really perseverance, but it gives me the acronym practice. That's right. If you Makes it easier to remember. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'd say now I've, this is the interesting thing about this topic. Uh, over the years, uh, since 2010, asking fellow uh, cadre out there at Camp McCall, you know, what do you think is the most important attribute? Not just Let me just put you on the spot, Mike. What, what's the most important attribute? Integrity. Yes, by far. Yeah. Uh, and I would say usually 99.9% of the time, that's what cadres say, integrity. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the guy's just... You know, if you can't trust a guy, if he's yeah. if the nonsense is coming out of his mouth every time his mouth opens, I mean, you're getting, you're, you're going to get nowhere. Yeah, and this uh, most people they think of integrity, and they may not know what that means, but um, just to go at the word level, uh, and you may know this, but integrity from the Latin it just comes from the Latin word integer, which means intact. <laughs> so it just means that. You're, you're keeping your honor intact. You're, you're intact. Yeah, yeah, you're intact. You're not a weather vane. Yeah, I mean, people don't mind people making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, my goodness. Um, but you got to be able to own them. You know, you got to own your mistakes. You got to build it because, I mean, uh, most of that stuff's correctable. Yeah. But until you own it, dude, you ain't correcting it. And yes, people yeah. and people will work with you. Yeah. You know, as long as you're like, oh, man, I screwed the pooch on that. I'm sorry. You know, whatever. Exactly. People, people, especially in teams that rely on each other uh, yeah. for lives, uh, yeah. integrity is huge. Yeah, I, uh, I had uh, an opportunity to go out to work with, uh, at least spend some time with SEAL Team 7 uh, in Coronado. Uh, I was um, excited to learn that they have a three-worded uh, motto, uh, and it is three H's. It's hard, humble, and honest. And I thought, that's awesome. Yeah, that is. But they place a uh, high regard to integrity. Yeah, that's uh, one of the three. Honesty, yeah. yeah. Uh, because, I mean, that's actually, it comes from the Ranger Creed, uh, all the way back to hallowed antiquity, warriors have held integrity, uh, uh, something to be uh, guarded and kept intact. Uh, and that's the, now, uh, this goes without saying that the majority of the guys I've seen that have failed uh, in the Q course, uh, but not, not so much in them, sorry, is once they're actually in group, okay, guys that are made men, they go to group, they got their tabs, they got their nice hat. Uh, the majority of the guys that I saw that got kicked out, they were for moral failings, moral failings. So uh, wife beating. Right, uh, other nefarious things that that yeah, we don't really want to talk. About. We don't want to talk about, but just stuff, and you're like, what? But, you know the the yeah. and the thing that we're running into um, is that all of the various different organizations within the warrior community are running into similar issues. Absolutely, and it's it's really just a sign of our t- of our times. It is. I mean, and and what better way to stick out? You know, in the crowd, then be a guy who's a stand-up guy who does what's right all the time, even yeah. to your own hurt. Even if it costs you, you still do what's right. 
And you know, sometimes it will cost you to do what's right. Yeah, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to say this again. I'm a firm believer in this. I mean, uh, uh, an SF tab, uh, you know, uh, a SEAL, you know, Navy SEAL Trident, um, Ranger tab, um, you know, whatever. Okay, that doesn't make you the warrior. Uh, you know, you have to be the warrior inside. You just happen yeah. to serve in some great units. Okay, that's right. The, the the you know the unit doesn't make the man, Paul. Right, the man makes the unit, right. and you have a whole bunch of men that are wired correctly. Yeah, um, and that's what makes exceptional units. Absolutely. And um, it's funny because all these units sort of have their their ebbs and flows. Yeah, and that's got nothing to do with the unit. I mean, the unit didn't change. Okay, uh, but we all know these units that have their highs and their lows, and, uh, and it has to do with the the, the, the various uh, group of men that happen to be serving on that unit at that particular time. And if you're lucky, you can get in one of these units when you have nothing but a, a, a large uh, group of just exceptional warriors. And when you when you when you're that fortunate to be around those guys uh, in that unit at, at that particular time, I mean, it's 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 magic. And it's because they're, you know, they have the attributes and they, they have the stools under them and it, it just, everything just works perfectly. Would you agree, Paul? Absolutely. I mean, you have, uh, something you're, you're saying, uh, it just kind of sparked my, my, uh, my mind also is, uh, you can be in, uh, an awesome unit, but just be a highly trained and moral man. You can, yeah. you know, slip through the cracks, but it'll catch up to you. Well, that and you're dr- dragging the unit down. You just don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> because you're I mean, there. I mean, and, and the other thing you said is uh, the unit makes this man. I mean, that's the idea is just being a part of a team and the, uh, the, the humbleness of about the humility associated with that. It's like, hey, it's about team. Yeah. It's not about me. So you're, you're living for a cause bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a concept that a lot of people don't get. And the ones that don't get it, they're the ones that have moral failings because they're right. just there for themselves. They use you and everybody else as a stepping stool to get to where they want to be because they're narcissistic and it's all about themselves. And that's why they suck. And that's why you don't want to work with them, even though they may perform very well. Oh, yeah. But eventually, it's going to catch up to them. I've worked with uh, plenty. You have, you have, too. I mean, you can't spend a lot of time in the military without running into these guys. But uh, exceptional talents. You know, they have exceptional abilities, um, yeah. but they're just lacking, you know, especially, usually it's morally, you know, it's just like, oh man, you know, and, uh, and then it goes back to the integrity word, right? It goes back to that attribute really, because I've always kind of like wondered like, well, if you're cutting corners in this one aspect of your life, I mean, how many other aspects of your life are you willing to cut corners on? Yeah. So I had, uh, I want to just share a little aspect of the book. Uh, it's, it's under, uh, the story of Francis Marion, Uh, my favorites. Yeah. So stand up guy, right? So, uh, what I like about, uh, there's so many things I like about Francis Marion. If you don't know, he was a swamp Fox, uh, during the American revolution. Uh, he was one of the guerrilla warfare practitioners. True pine lander. Yeah. True pine lander in South Carolina. Uh, and just kind of zero in in here on his life. Uh, he was actually in the Connell Army. Uh, I hope I get some of this stuff right, uh, Pat, as you listen to this. Pat, yeah, who is a historian in this. I'll uh, give you a call later if you yeah. mess it up. But uh, 
So Marion was actually in the Connell Army. Uh, they already uh, held off the British in, on, the, on the coast in South Carolina early in the war. And then the British kind of took their uh, strategy to the north, and they were kind of fighting to a stalemate up there. Meanwhile, uh, as they were kind of moving their uh, force, uh, their focus down to the south again, the British focus, uh, Marion is at a, uh, a function, an officer function in Charleston. Uh, and this is really what I want to talk about, is he's there, and they're having, uh, at some point, it starts to become kind of a, uh, everyone's just going to booze it up, right? And Marion uh, didn't imbibe. You know, he was a, uh, it was just not his thing. And so he didn't want to be a part of it. And he, uh, they locked the doors. So they're like, hey, we're all going to get smashed. And, uh, you know, Marion just didn't want to do this. And so here's my point of his integrity is uh, he jumped out, allegedly jumped out of the second floor, right, of a window or a deck, uh, broke his leg, uh, but then made his way uh, eventually back to uh, the swamps of northeast uh, South Carolina. And then uh, while he was gone, uh, that those guys there were actually bottled up when the British landed with uh, Clinton and Cornwallis. And uh, all those guys were captured. And my whole point is, uh, if he didn't have, if, if he wasn't a man of integrity, at least you know, stand for something or fall for anything, right? That for him, that was wrong to stay there and get smashed, right? And I would say, you know, good on him. Yeah. Uh, he left, and that kept him in the fight. And, of course, he stayed and uh, kicked ass. And we're uh, still talking about him today. Yeah. But my whole point is uh, he had integrity uh, to do what's right, uh, General Green wrote this about him. He said, uh, speaking of Francis Marion, he said, he lived without fear and died without reproach. Uh, and I think that's what I want to do. I want to live without fear and die without reproach. Uh, and that's really what we need. We need an American warrior that's like Francis Marion. There's not a booze hound, right? Uh, if he's intoxicated with anything, it would be with the glory of our country, Okay. And I would say the glory of God, right, in defending this country and the, the principles that made this country great. I'm intoxicated with that. And I would say he was too. So that's really my point about, I mean, I can't, I, we can say a lot about integrity, but he, he, uh, he did what was right to his own hurt, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, how, yeah. How many, you know, how many of us are kind of worried about groupthink? I mean, how many of us are worried about what the group exactly. thinks? Um, worrying about what what society. Listen, society, the, the the thing, the right and wrong, if you will, the, the rights and the wrongs, you know, the of society. Man, they just they just come and go. I mean, they yeah. change throughout time. Um, but the strong warriors, like Francis Marion, okay. These are guys that are grounded. They have their foundation, and it's got nothing to do with uh, the, the the people that they're hanging out with, you know, or what they're seeing on TV, or you know. Uh, so that's really what you know the call is for warriors today, especially in the way the way times are now and, and the challenges that we that we live in. Man, you better be grounded. You better you better be standing for something. 
and don't be don't be ashamed of it. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean people people will admire that. Yeah, that's what we need is a stand up guy. Yeah, uh, there's uh, look as far as uh, special operations, uh, it's grayscale war warfare. Okay, so we operate in the grayscale. There's all kinds of opportunities to to get into make, pro- into making mistakes <laughs> to make to make the wrong decisions. Yeah. Right? So how more more important is it to have uh, a moral compass that points north? Yeah. If you if you don't have a sense of right and wrong, uh, you're gonna struggle. Yeah. You're gonna be sitting around all the time, just kind of wondering, like, what do I do? You know, where yeah. for other people, just gonna be they're just gonna they're, they're gonna know what what the right thing is. Yeah, I'm glad we zeroed in on that because, look, there's other attributes, right? Professionalism, of course right. that's important. Responsibility, adaptability, that's probably the second one that I hear. It's like after I go, what yeah. about number two? Capability Ad- or adaptability. Adaptability, yeah. yeah. Adaptability, capability. Yeah, you got to be Gumby. I mean, yeah. you got to be able to go with the flow. Um, but if you don't have a firm foundation oh, of then you're going to have some difficulty there. Yeah. Yeah, somebody. You're right, Paul. I mean, if you got, if you know what right and wrong is, if you've got a yeah. strong sense of right and wrong, um, we can throw you in any environment. Yep. It really doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to be okay. Exactly. That's because you what, can apply those principles no matter what yeah. the environment is. And that that's really underscores the importance of having uh, a firm foundation. You know, because if you don't have it, and just kind of s- take that same analogy put over to our country right now, right? I would say our country is morally leprous. I would say our country is uh, sanctifying things that God hates. That's oh, what yeah, I would no say. Doubt. Well, it doesn't even, I mean, listen. And are we any better for that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be a religious person to look at some of this nonsense and go, you know, really? I mean, come exactly. on. I mean, we. I just looked at an article a day about the, uh, I mean, I hate to change subject on you, but, you know, the, the, the male swimmer, you know, the, 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 oh, male, yeah. the, the, yeah. the male swimmer that thinks he's a female and I'm just sitting there like, yeah. why are these young ladies, right, wasting yeah. their time competing against a dude in the pool? Yeah. It's just theater now. Yeah. I mean, you know, let the guy just swim by himself, whatever. There's no point sitting there and pretending like you're freaking going to compete against this guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And everybody intuitively knows that. But we yeah. all got to, you know, play the game like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's the, the dude's the, a chick, whatever. Okay. The, the woke agenda is just to. To have no foundation. Oh, yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. Values lose your values, and so you have a transvaluation of values, and then nothing means anything. Exactly, and the warriors have to resist Chaos. this. Warriors exactly. must resist this. Yeah. Yeah, be adaptable. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Be adaptable, you know, be understand your operational environment, yeah. understand who you're hanging out with, you know. But listen, at the core of yourself, you got to know what right and wrong is. So here on this case right here, right? Let's just say uh, you're uh, you're a warrior in a great unit right now. Uh, you're faced with something that's kind of off, okay? And you want to act professional and you want to keep, you know, going with the mission uh, without making this a showstopper. What can you do? All right, one, uh, if, the, if this is going to affect the mission, you can do what's called bracketing, right? Bracketing is uh, where you acknowledge whatever somebody said that was – racist or uh, and I'm assuming these are people not in your unit this is another unit you're working with maybe a foreign unit then you you recognize that what it is and then you just skillfully segue onto another topic 
like that didn't happen. And, yeah, and, we run into yeah. that, especially in the uh, in the areas of the world that uh, yeah. we often find ourselves. It's not uncommon to be having culture clashes. Yeah, and that's um, that's one of the things that uh, you know. That's the beauty of of SOF is you're going to work with foreign units. You're going to work with stuff that's weird, stuff that doesn't sit well with you, and it doesn't have to be a showstopper. You can kind of acknowledge what it is and just kind of go on. You don't have to give into it, especially, you know, obviously if it's illegal, immoral, or unsafe, you're obligated to not do it. But uh, if it's an, another category that's something weird, like what we talked about earlier, then you can kind of go on with it, what you're doing without having to, you know, just capitulate yeah. to that agenda. Right. You just move on. and, and uh, Yeah, I think that would be... Uh, yeah. That's probably a good tool for us. I submit that to us. But yeah, the uh, bracket is is important. I mean, you're not you don't. Uh, but just I, th- I think the the, re- the the reality that you're you're going to run into strange. Yeah, I mean, you're going to run into strange. Okay, uh, yeah. and that makes it even more important that you understand uh, that up is up and down is down. Yeah. But this, I mean, there's so many things you could talk about with uh, uh, tactical leadership. Uh, I think. I think we need uh, to, and I think most of the people we talk to honestly understand that, uh, you know, we don't have tacticians at the lower levels like we used to, like the fire team leaders that are just like, this guy's a tactician. And they're waiting, I think, this is just my argument, that uh, we, we've kind of departed from that, where every fire team leader is a tactician, right? <laughs> No, there's been a tendency, and it's it's been going on for decades, where um, you know we keep getting uh, higher and higher up, yeah. Uh, rather than focusing on uh, those small unit leaders yeah. and and relying on them to uh, get after it, yeah. Um, you know, everything is. I mean, I remember we used to when I first came in. I mean, we used to do a lot of platoon level training, yeah, and then it went to company level training. And then we were starting to do battalion level stuff. And uh, before I retired, I mean, it was not uncommon to be doing brigade type (laughs) exercises, which really means uh, all those team leaders, squad leaders, platoon sergeants are really just sitting around like pawns on a chessboard, just waiting to be told what to do by, you know, brigade because brigades up there with a big, you know, map, it's kind of moving pieces around. Whereas before we would really concentrate on the skills of those guys down at that lowest level and then no matter what it was you asked them to do, those guys could perform very well. Yeah. Hey, so I wanted to end this uh, uh, oh, we can't podcast. End. We can't end this thing. We're just getting started. Yeah. We're just uh, getting warmed up. I wanted to I wanted to share uh, an aspect of the book where we talk about seven pitfalls to guard against. Okay. Right? And I've got a uh, – acronyms are always fun. Yep. So I've got an acronym. It's BLEMISH, uh, B-L-E-M-I-S-H. And uh, these are seven pitfalls, okay? Uh, and I think these encapsulate the smart, strong, socially astute. So they could, you know, it could be a lack of uh, maybe an integrity issue, okay? Or, uh, you know, you're just socially tone deaf. Or you don't know yourself. You don't have self-knowledge, self-management, something like that. So the first one is bl- uh, blame shift, Mm. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of go through these, maybe yeah, we've seen say, that. say a few words about it. But uh, yeah, blame blame shifts. It's not taking personal responsibility. 
you know, it's always, it's always, you know, my mother didn't bring me up right, or yeah. I didn't get the right information, or you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. I mean, self, yeah, individual responsibility is huge. Yeah, I, I would say uh, now, lately on the news, I can just pick on uh, the current administration. They're playing the blame game, okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, they're saying, okay, well, the high cost of uh, gas is uh, Putin's fault, yeah, right? right? Or it's somebody else's fault or whatever. Right. Of course, you know, everybody chimes in and says the same thing. Whoever's on the payroll, okay, they say the same thing. But, uh, but that's really not taking responsibility. No. Uh, that's not true leadership, right? That's not taking ownership for the problem, right? That doesn't do anything. Right. Uh, it just deflects uh, responsibility and, and, and uh, in an attempt to save yourself, okay? Well, but I, everybody sees no, right I, through I, it. No, I'll be honest with you. I love this one because this one, um, you know, if you're sitting around there and you're trying to figure out, you're trying to answer your question, okay? Your question is, is this person a good leader? Yeah. It doesn't take long because they're usually blaming others yeah. for their shortcomings, and you've yeah. just answered your question. And it never yeah. takes long. Yeah. If I ever hear anybody blame somebody else for one of their own shortcomings, you know it's like, mm, okay, yeah, got it. Integrity problem. Oh, it's it, yeah. it, there's a bunch of stuff that goes into that. Yeah, you, you've got incompetence. Uh, incompetence. You know. And then also this cowardice. It is cowardice, too. It's like, look, you want to escape uh, you know, uh, blame because it will cost you money or it will cost you fame. Or it will ref, uh, reflect on your... Uh, or, your thins, or your skin's too thin. Skin you just can't take it. Yeah. can't take the insult. So you need a convenient scapegoat. And yep. so how cowardly is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love it. Uh, now, so I start off this uh, discussion in the book with this uh, presupposition. And I believe it's true. Most people don't quit their jobs. They quit their boss. And... I think that's true because that maybe true. they don't actually follow through, but they want to. Oh, admit, listen, everyone has had to do things that suck. Yeah. Okay. Um, anybody that's been out there supporting the family, a lot of times, it, you know, is probably doing something that they would rather be doing something else. Okay. Yeah. But you get out, you get out there because it's what you have to do, you know? Yeah. So no, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, uh, it's not entertainment. Jobs are not entertainment. I don't think, I mean, it's great if you have a job you love. Yeah. But let's just be honest with you. If you got the right leadership, even the most miserable task yeah. can be kind of enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the, what's what's the point? Don't be that guy. Don't be that dude. Don't be that guy. I mean, you should create an environment that, uh, fought, that foments the warrior ethos where people are like, heck yeah, I get to be here. Yeah. I get to serve along with this guy. Uh, another one, lackey. Uh, lackey. It's a word that's not used much anymore, <laughs> yeah, but, it's, so but true. it's fun. It is fun. Uh, so I have this quote here. Uh, it's from, in his instructions to his, his sergeants and corporals, von Steuben, uh, who you remember was brought in uh, to kind of give some structure to the United States Army uh, by uh, General Washington. And von Steuben says this, um, by avoiding too great familiarity with the men, they do, they will not only gain their love and confidence, but be treated with a proper respect. Whereas by a contrary contact, conduct, they forfeit all regard, and their authority becomes despised. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, the whole point is uh, they're just just suck-ups. People pleasing suck-ups, and they just say what they think people want to hear. That's not a good leader. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think, uh, especially in our community, uh, in the Special Forces community, uh, this can be a difficult transition uh, yeah. from going from a team member to team sergeant. Because uh, you're just not you're not one of the guys anymore. I mean, you are, yeah. but you're not. You know, exactly. you, you're you're now you're a leader, and you're going to have to that those relationships now are going to have to be different. Yeah, uh, and you know, again, um, you know, uh, politics is downstream from culture. Okay, and what that means is they do what the people want. The litmus test to go off in a little bit of a diatribe here is what do the people want. Let's do that. Not is it right? Is it moral? Is it is this safe? Is this a good thing for us? But what do the people want? That's always the wrong question. What do the people want? Is that your litmus test for are you going to do it or not? That's not the and, and you could be sure that you're a suck up if you're doing things just because you want people to like you. Right. Now look, we all want to be liked. Okay, got it. Sure. We want to be liked and loved. Now, that's the old question. Would you like, rather be feared or yeah. loved? Would you rather be respected or liked? Yeah, I would rather be loved than feared. Okay? But I want people to respect me too. But they're not going to respect you if you're a butt kisser. That's right. Warriors, real warriors, don't want a people pleaser. It's it's funny because um, you see this a lot where guys think that they're becoming popular because, you know, they want to be one of the buddies, okay, yeah. of their subordinates. And the, the exact opposite is what occurs. Yeah. You end up, not only do they not like you, they don't yeah. respect you as a leader either. Exactly. The guys that run to the sound of the guns, the guys that gravitate to this line of work, and I mean soft, okay, the soft, the special operations community, they, they, uh, they want to be around warriors, they want to go be around people with metal, with uh, steel in their spines. With balls. Yeah, with balls. They want people to talk to them like a man. Okay? Right. And, make, and make the hard decisions. Yes. Uh, egotistical. Uh, and I see a lot of these guys. Uh, these, are, I think, are the quintessential toxic leaders. The egomaniacs. Uh, the narcissistic folks. Uh, these are the guys that, um, they're backstabbers. Right, uh, I've seen. I'll just pick on the officers for a little bit because the the long, the night of the long knives happen uh, sometimes in a peer uh, evaluation where those knives come out and you're like, wow, yeah, you know, holy smoke, vicious. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, a good officer is worth his weight, and every unit has to have a good officer. I'm not bad mouthing officers by any stretch, uh, and NCOs can be backstabbers with the best of them too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but just to kind of backpedal just a little bit there for our officer uh, listeners. Uh, the But the egotistical guys, it's really, it's it's all about them. Everything's about them. It's like they're the center of their universe. It's not like, uh, you know, yeah. there there is an I in team with this guy. Yeah, right. Okay, they spell team well, with I. Well, how many, time, well, how many times have we um, interacted with leaders that... You could just tell that every decision they made every yeah. single day had had to do with uh, their OER, yeah, uh, yep. NCOER. You know how this is going to look. I hope this is not going to come back on me. I hope this is yeah. you know, 
instead of just doing what needs to be done and doing the right thing and just let the chips land where they land. I mean, some of these guys, it's just everything they do is just for, you know, uh, their own, Absolutely. their own, you know, their own, uh, self, um, achievement. So, uh, one of my favorite books is the mission, the men and me, uh, and that is by Pete Blaber. Uh, and that, that really just kind of sums it up mission men and then me. So you're last, the mission comes first, then your guys. I mean, obviously, uh, you should be placing the mission first. And then also you eat last. Uh, you, you have to practice good self-management and, and preserve yourself, eat, eat and drink and all that stuff, get enough sleep. But you're, you're concerned not about yourself first. That's the idea. So it's, a, it's, it's somewhat of a Copernican revolution for some folks. Uh, and, and this, this is I've seen guys. Yeah. I've seen guys take. I mean, I'm, it's funny you said that because I've seen leaders that uh, you know you had to go in there and say, "Sir, you need to get some rest, dude." Yeah. Uh, some of the guys have a hard time with even the me part. Yeah, that's and you, true. And it's true that as a leader, you know, you're gonna you're gonna need some me, okay? Yeah. Because uh, if you're not taking care of yourself, well, then you're not going to be an effective leader. That's true. That's. Uh, I mean, and we've probably said this before, but uh, a good division of labor is you know commanders, officers are in command. NCOs are in charge. The officers uh, manage the mission. The NCOs manage the men. And uh, you have to have a good command team where your uh, senior NCO says, hey, uh, yeah. we, we need to you hey, listen, get some rack. Hey, if, you, yeah, if you want to kill a good officer, give him, give him a crappy NCO. Absolutely. Okay, because guess what he's got to do? Yeah. He's going to have to start leaning over and doing what the NCO is supposed to be doing. Exactly. Uh, micromanage. Uh, this one kind of hits me. Uh, because, uh, I did it. Yeah. Uh, I was accused of this and I'm glad I was. Uh, and I, I have this one, um, uh, first in my mind because I had just became a team sergeant, right? I had about 16 or 17 years in, uh, I had been shot. I left the unit. Uh, I wanted to be a team sergeant. So I went to third group. Uh, it's everything I wanted it to be, but the first, like, month or so I was there, I just micromanaged the heck out of my guys. I told them what to do and how to do it. And I had a fellow team sergeant who had to give me a, hey, you got a second moment? And he said, hey, look, man, I think you're doing a great job, but you're a micromanaging douchebag. Okay. To put it, to put it calmly. Yeah, to put it just, yeah, <laughs> uh, just sugarcoat it. And that's why I said, just sugarcoat it, man. Yeah, yeah. He said, look. Tell me what you really think. Yeah, your guys, they love you, but you're telling them what to do, and you, they hate you. They hate their lives, and you may get voted off the island, okay? Yeah. And it does happen. And and that's the idea. Look, guys uh, gravitate towards soft, I believe, because they want to be treated like adults. They want to be treated uh, like men. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So you give me enough rope. If I hang myself, I do. But you trust me with this mission. You give me a left and right limit and let me do it. Right. And uh, so I had to be reeled back in. And so micromanagers say, I don't trust you. You know, it's funny, too, because uh, the, the product is always better when you're not micromanaging. Exactly. The creativity is there. It is, it's there, man. When you got to take advantage of it. you got to tap into yeah. it. I mean, if I'm just looking over your shoulder the whole time, who's really doing the task? Right. I mean, come on. Uh, also, inability to keep your word. Okay, work with me a little bit. I didn't have one word for I, so here's the I and blemish. Inability to keep your word. But uh, this is a guy that uh, is just a weather vane, right? 
you say, yeah, we can do that. And then it doesn't materialize because of some other things that happen. And so your word never means anything. You're not honest. Oh, again, it's kind of uh, integrity also. Absolutely. Something, one of the first um, lessons I remember from my father, great man, uh, still alive, uh, and I'm still learning from him, David, a favorite, thank you, is uh, he said, if your word means nothing, you mean nothing. And I think we need more men today that their word means something. If I say something to you and I clasp palms with you, then that better happen, okay, or I'm, I mean nothing. And I think that's so important that our word as men means something. As leaders, it's so important. Yeah, I mean, we're so used to happy talk, you know, which is just, you know, nonsense. Yeah. Now, there's other things we can say. Let's say if I don't, I can't fully commit, I can say, hey, uh, let's see if we can make that happen together. That's that's in the realm of possibilities. Let's see. That's, uh, you know, that's a possibility. But the idea is don't fully commit unless you can actually do it. No, and we run. We see guys making this mistake, um, you know, during Robin's age. Absolutely. Because there's going to be everybody asking for this and asking for that yeah. and, and trying to get you to make promises that you can't keep. Um, yeah. So you know that's just the reality of it, and you got to yeah. you got to learn how to negotiate that. Absolutely. Uh, and then self control. So temperance. Self, yeah, temperance, self control. Uh, so there's. Uh, uh, a good book by Daniel Goleman. It's called Emotional Intelligence. Uh, I recommend that to a lot of guys. I'm still learning this. Yeah. I mean, I, here's the idea. Uh, I'm 50. Uh, I think you're 55. Yep. Uh, are we learning? Are we still learning to control ourselves? You bet it. You oh, better yeah. believe it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so self-control, how is this a pitfall? Obviously, if you can't control your own emotions, how can you control a fire team or a squad? or an ODA, yeah. or a SEAL team, or whatever. You, you can't. Yeah. Uh, you have to, and this is part of uh, uh, self-management. That yes. Daniel this Goleman. Sort of the, uh, uh, it's got a lot of different terms and applicabilities. I mean, uh, combat patience. Yeah. Uh, stoicism. Yeah. Uh, just sort of kind of letting things sort of develop, taking in the information, making a logical decision. Yeah. And then look, there's sometimes you have to make a snap uh, decision. Other times, and that's the idea, as you learn, as you grow as a leader, you know, how much time do I have to make this decision? Right. Uh, but big thing here is don't make emotional decisions. Right. I'm, I'm, gonna hear, I'm here to tell you, I've been married 27 years. All the decisions I made that were emotional uh, weren't good. <laughs> yeah. None of them I'm, were good. I agree. I'm still looking for an emotional decision that was good. Yeah. So take a few seconds. When you, drive. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. When you, when you, when you first met her. Well, that's true. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> uh, and then hypocrisy. Last of all, uh, you know, it's nothing worse than uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Someone's uh, so and so says, do this, that, and the other, and then you see them just not abiding by those same rules. And uh, that just sucks. Right. Uh, I think that, I mean, it's obviously a pitfall, but really has something to do with integrity too. Yeah. You You just think that, and it's a narcissistic thing. I think you just think you're too good to, you know, 
go down and do PT with your guys. And by the, by the way, you always want to do PT with your guys. You always take your work home with you so that you can do PT with your guys. You, want to, you don't want to ask them to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And so you put yourself in their shoes when you're going to give them some type of directives. Make sure you, you screen that. Right. right? Yeah, um, yeah. Follow me. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's high time that we have leaders that are solid. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really the, you know, the sort of the deficit that we have today in the uh, Department of Defense, right? I mean, at the highest levels, we have people that are just not quite living up to what, you know, yeah. the typical warrior expects from leaders. You know, and I, I wanted to say this, too, that, uh, you know, President Zelensky in Ukraine, my hat's off to you, sir. Uh, for being the man of the hour. Uh, you have definitely risen to the occasion, right? I think he has. Uh, I don't think he would ever listen to this podcast, but uh, on the off chance you did, hey, uh, job well done so far. I mean, you've given, uh, you know, uh, a backbone, uh, a, you know, steel into the spine of the people of Ukraine to fight against tyranny and evil. And so I salute you, sir. Yeah. And I think uh, we can wrap her up. What yeah. do you think? Hey, but uh, guys, if I didn't already mention, uh, please go to uh, blacksmithpublishing.com. Uh, and if you've already read, uh, read Tactical Leadership, if you would, uh, leave a uh, review uh, about that. And uh, guys that haven't read it yet, I think there's a lot of good things in there for you. And uh, Godspeed to you as... Uh, you execute the foreign uh, policy objectives of the United States, close with, destroy the enemies of our country, and I salute you as you do that. And uh, remember, uh, the Pinelander podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Blacksmith Publishing. Uh, great titles, great books. We talked about one of those today. And, of course, if you're interested in uh, just having some cool swag, head on over to uh, pinelander1776.com uh, where you can get some good shirts and what have you. We uh we appreciate you joining us today, and we look forward to uh, coming to Pineland again next week and seeing what we have.